Welcome to the Thanks Therapy Podcast. Before we start, if you're in crisis or need urgent support, please Google the Samaritans and the country in which you live. Help can be found online and via the phone. We also put local and national helpline numbers and links in the show notes and on social media. Don't suffer alone. Things can and will get better. Enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Hannah Lydon. And I'm Emma Lydon, and this is our Therapy Appreciation Podcast. Thanks, Therapy. Where we hope to demystify, destigmatize, and encourage the appreciation of good and useful therapy. And today we want to talk all about emotions. What are they? What do I do with them? And most importantly, is my brain broken if I need therapy? Uh. <laughs> Thanks, Therapy! Thanks, Therapy! So, Ems, we're going for quite a big topic today. Emotions. Yeah. Emotions. It's the whole thing. Before I read some fancy, like, definitions and stuff, what comes into your head when I say emotions? Okay, so the literal first thing that comes into my mind is... um, thinking about emotions for from a developmental perspective so interesting and that's never really far from my mind um when I was in counseling training I bought a collection of books for children because at one stage I thought I was going to counsel young people um I was interested in working with children I did work in a school for a little while um and so there are a series of books and they feature a little rabbit um, who's having trouble with his emotions, understanding oh. them and things like that. So they have titles like um, when I'm feeling happy, when I'm feeling sad, when I'm, when I'm feeling lonely. And I would read these to my eldest actually more than because he was, when I when I started he was a baby when I started my counselling training. So mm-hmm. he was in his toddlerhood and he quite liked it. So he would oh. ask me um, for... You know, can we read when I'm feeling sad, mummy? <laughs> he quite liked it. He would indulge in the sadness sort of thing, yeah. you know. But they were essentially uh, used to um, improve your emotional intelligence. Um, and I was keen to do that with my boys because um, boys have not historically been encouraged to focus on their emotional intelligence. Yeah. And yet we need that for so much, you know, knowing ourselves as well as knowing and entering into relationships with others regulating ourselves and avoiding believing our emotions can be wrong or broken. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the film Inside Out, which I've watched with both kids separately. The first time, actually, I took Sam to the cinema and I had a hangover. Oh. And I was really, um, like, um, <laughs> you know, emo- I was, like, coming out of the cinema going, wasn't that amazing the way you said that and all? And he was like, I liked it where it was blue. There was blue stuff there. But I watched it recently. What age would that, what age? Oh God, I don't know, maybe seven or eight. Um, and then I watched it just like a few weeks ago with the youngest. Um, and I really love the film. And it, it's one of those films that's actually become an educational resource as well. Mm. So, um, it's a brilliant way to think about and understand the complexity of emotions, thinking about, you know, 
what's important, joy and sadness, you know, anger, all of those sort of emotions. I could actually just monologue at you, son, to be honest, because, you know... You're welcome to. I mean, yeah, well, it's good that you have said all that because I... So usually you sort of, like, take charge and write the episodes uh-huh. or give a bit more structure and this time I was like I'll do it I'm gonna do it this time and then I was like oh this is actually quite hard this is quite hard um and I was finding it quite tricky to, to write down like what I think what comes into my head when I think about emotions yeah what are emotions what, what do we mean they? by emotions yeah so naturally I googled it okay That's cool what right I do. yeah and what I found online so this is from Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Um, Wikipedia is like backing me up in my sort of like not knowing where to start because it, it, it reads as follows. Okay. Emotions are biologically based psychological states brought on by neurophysiological changes variously associated with thoughts, feelings, behavioral responses and a degree of pleasure or displeasure. There's currently no scientific consensus on a definition. <laughs> so like, do you know what I mean? What? When I ask you, what do you think of? It can be, it's so vast. Yeah. But, oh, while we're here, donate to Wikipedia. Because... Oh, yeah. That's a very good point. Thank you, Wikipedia, for all, Thank your, you all you do. Thank you so much. I'm going to say Wikipedia might be my favourite website. I have donated to Wikipedia a couple of times. I have before, like, but not recently. You know, sort of 350 or whatever yeah. at the time of going, yes, I will. Thank you yes, for thank the stuff you. That you do. Um. But yeah, that's what I got from Wikipedia. And when I was Googling it, like, so I love Googling and then just like snooping around mm-hmm. on the, you know, like there's like a little drop down thing being like other people searched. Uh-huh. And there's, on the if you just Google like what are emotions, you get like a little section of what other people have searched. And it's like, what are the 10 emotions? What are the 27 emotions? <laughs> what are the top 100 emotions? I was like, who's trying to put a number on the amount of emotions? Because oh, surely yeah. they can't be quantified in that way. Anyway, I just thought that was fun. It is so, so interesting. Um, and, and you know, you're saying what are the top 100 emotions and stuff like that? Because <laughs> like when you think about... <laughs> The top 100 emotions of all time. What's your favourite emotion? Um, those books, so I've just Googled them actually because I wanted to find out who the author oh, yeah, was. Yeah. So it's Tracy Moroni, right? So there's, the, I think there might be seven in the series, okay? For the seven so emotions. there's when I'm feeling sad, when I'm feeling kind, when I'm feeling loved, uh, when I'm feeling happy, when I'm feeling lonely. There's one here when I'm feeling disappointed, but I don't remember having got that. Should have um, got that one. <laughs> And then, it's an one. Um, I can't, I can't find the other ones. But so we had this collection of books, and um, oh, when I'm feeling anxious, so mm. that was one that we came back to all the time because it can be nice to see when I'm feeling happy. Um, the reading when I'm feeling sad, I can remember some of the lines of it because Sam really did re- make me read it quite a lot. Um, when I'm feeling sad, I could cry and cry and feel like the whole world world could flood up with my tears, Aww. right? And the point of it was, is that the rabbit would say, what makes me feel better is when I talk to someone, or someone is kind to me, or I get a cuddle. Yeah, yeah. And then some, it will make me realize that sadness doesn't last and it's all right to feel sad sometimes. Essentially, that was the message behind all of them. Oh my God, yeah. When I'm feeling happy... I feel like I could bounce and bounce and be, you know, so it's saying this is what your emotion feels like to you. 
this is what it can make you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, that is normal. And we all experience this. This yeah. is a collective thing. So it's literally emotional education that for children. That sounds fucking brilliant, really. But at Wikipedia, according to Wikipedia, there's no real scientific consensus then on what emotions are. Yeah, there's no like one definition that suits everyone. So lacking a proper scientific definition, for the purposes of our discussion, let's just say emotions are what happens inside your body and your brain when you have big feelings about things. Yeah. Does that sound good? Yes, that does sound good. Emma, I don't know if you've noticed this about me Mm. in our time of of life together, but Uh (laughs) I have like quite a lot of feelings about nearly everything ever. Yes. And often those are are problematic for me, hence me being so into therapy. Um, But something I wanted to discuss was like, I find it difficult to think about this topic because I sometimes find it hard to differentiate like me just being like a normal person like the rabbit in that book being like sad or anxious or overjoyed or whatever um all my sort of complex emotional life with my actual diagnosed mental illness like when I'm in the fit Mm. or the the peak of Mm. emotions I'm like am I just having a really good day or am I manic Mm. that's happened before and each time it comes up it's a new I'm like, oh, this is actually, it's tricky each time. Mm. So I thought we could discuss the difference between being, quote-unquote, mentally ill and simply, like, being a person in the world with emotions. Yes. Like anyone else. That's a very good point. And actually, interestingly, I was just thinking while you were saying that, that I didn't actually go for the scientific definition. I didn't go for the, um, you know something from my knowledge so much as I went for like the felt sense so the phenomenological nature of emotions you know um what is phenomenological so phenomenological is essentially the study of the lived experience the study of phenomenon the understanding of um our lived experience it's originates in the work of Alfred Hussler I think I don't know how you pronounce it um phenomenology there's several branches of it, and I used a little bit of phenomenology in my um, thesis. Oh, yes, it was a phenomenological study. It was a social phenomenological study. Thank you yeah. very much. Yeah, you went, you chose media. You gave me an example of media. I did. I gave a you two examples of media, but it was because I was relating it so much to the children. Yeah. And, you know, as it says a lot about how they consume all their information, but, you know... Um, <laughs> What I said before, I do think is relevant to this point that you've just made because without learning about the nature of our emotions, it can be hard to distinguish between what is normal and what is not normal. Yeah. And what we might say in psychological language is between what is clinical and what is subclinical. Mm -hmm. So, for example, remember, I think it was last week I was talking about that questionnaire that you can do in counselling sometimes, CORE. Yes. The CORE questionnaire. So, um. CORE stands for Clinical Outcomes and Routine Evaluation and it's just one of many psychometric tests and it's one that's commonly used in counselling and essentially what it's trying to do is gauge how you're feeling and managing, what your level of anxiety is, uh, how low your mood is, how your quality of life or well-being is and if you're at any risk and it asks it about the present time. So over the last week, Mm -hmm. I think the first question is... um, I have felt tense, anxious or nervous and then the scale is not at all, 
uh, some of the time, occasionally, um, a lot occasionally, of the time, sometimes, most of the time. Of often, most or all of the time. And your answer to one question then is combined with your answer to others, and that gives you a score. Yeah. And, you know, you absolutely take this with a pinch of salt because it's both useful and not useful. It's like when you ask somebody to score their pain on a score of not to 10. Yeah. If you ask my eldest son, he will say, it's a, it's a seven, it's a seven or an it's eight. Like and I'll say, ten. I'll say, that's like a broken bone level. Yeah. So your paper cut that you have, <laughs> a small paper cut that's invisible to the naked eye. You're saying that's a seven on but the like, brain But like he scale. might mean like spiritually it's a seven. <laughs> it's so This injury is so to great to me. Yeah. But uh, so, so there's what, no like real gauge on that. Yeah. That's hard. And the other thing is, is that um, say, for example, you have a job interview in that last week. And so oh, you've, yeah. been, you've felt tense or anxious or nervous a lot of the time that week, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's clinical. It could be situational. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So it, it has to be put in context. It's totally useless without context. And mm. very often part of the purpose of that questionnaire is to raise questions with people. So it's to go, you, you, I mean, sometimes people tick that they had thought of taking their own life and they'd done it by accident. They had literally ticked that box by accident. Oh. Now, I think Freud would have a lot to say about that. Well, yeah. But, <laughs> What, uh, you, you know, if you clarified, you know, you've said that you thought about harming yourself there in the questionnaire and, mm. they, and they would say, oh, did I? I didn't mean to tick that. Mm. You're looking at me doubtfully like... I just think nobody ever ticks that box by accident. Accidentally. Right. Yeah. That's my I gut know. feeling. Well, you know, they were... I'm thinking about times when I... I mean, I've done loads of those questionnaires and I just always remember sitting there being like, I... What's the point of these boxes? Yeah. I can't even... My hand won't even move to the checkbox. So I was feeling like, <clears throat> where's the space for, like, where I draw, like, the black hole <laughs> of oh, my heart? Oh so really, I don't yeah. think that setting was for me more than anything else. Oh, no, totally. Not to, and not to denounce the purpose or effectiveness of those um I think tests. that everything has its usefulness, really, and I don't want to deride it in any way, shape, or form. No. But I'm all I'm saying is that... Um, definitely have to you have to temper what you do with that score like somebody can get a score of 25 and be in a better state really than somebody with a much lower score you know Mm -hmm. what I mean so and you know I could get a score of three and actually be dismissing a lot of my more problematic experiences Good which point. is actually part of my personality that I do so <laughs> do you, you know <laughs> I do yeah I'm fine all the time so yeah you're super fine all the time um I've seen it <laughs> so the point all the point I'm making about that is it's a good way to think about how there's a difference between the normal experience about of our range of emotions and feeling tense anxious or nervous most or all of the time without reason so right. then you've got to think to yourself without reason why can I not lift my mood why has my mood been low for the whole week most or all of the time yeah you know why am I tense anxious or nervous when I don't have the the situational reasons yeah. to be yeah like there's nothing stressful or insane happening in my life so why do I feel so bananas yeah and that's you're so you're saying that's the difference between clinical and subclinical yes so um clinical would indicate the potential presence of a diagnosis possibly uh, you know it's oh. and subclinical would mean you know 
you're not really you're not depressed or you're not anxious in a way that you would potentially need to go and see your doctor and again all of this with a pinch of salt it's Mm. not a diagnostic tool yeah it's not a diagnostic tool yeah it's literally just a a way for people actually do you know what really what it is it's about outcomes it's about measuring outcomes that questionnaire but anyway the point the reason why I was bringing it up was that we all have all of these feelings in any given week we Mm -hmm. might feel tense one day we might feel down one day we might feel really great another day we might be able to solve all our problems one day and and another day feel a bit incapable of solving our problems that's all within the range of normal human experience that's the gravy baby (laughs) that's the gravy um we must acknowledge for our listeners just around this discussion of like clinical and subclinical because those are newish terms to me yeah like I wouldn't really necessarily use those in everyday chat about mental health so sure but that's why I I like your professional input (laughs) but a lot of it does come down to like language Mm. differing uses of language between people like how we talk about emotions in public and private with each other how we talk to ourselves mm-hmm. like internally and the stuff that we don't say mm. like what we omit and conceal um and i do think there is like a cultural aspect to that as well which Definitely. i hope is changing especially what you were saying earlier about boys and men not mm-hmm. being encouraged to be like emotionally literate yeah um but all that stuff that you just told me is not is not what I had really been thinking about when I sort of sat down to gather my thoughts for the episode. Like the clinical aspect and like assessment of emotions yes. um, and all the metrics that come along with that and like the intricacies of it and stuff. Yeah. I was really just being like, what is, what are emotions? Mm. So that's very informative. Um, but I'm also interested as your niece, friend, podcast partner. Yeah. In your own experience and like your own emotional world like I've talked about me being quite a big feeler of feelings <laughs> yes what's what's your relationship to that um yes so I mean I think I was I was always very out there with my feelings um like if I was experiencing something my family were likely to know about it <laughs> and loudly I don't know that that's changed an awful lot well, so for let's give context as well because I when you say that I'm thinking of like me as a as like a four or five year old and you mm. as a fourteen or fifteen year old, oh um, no, really, this is gonna be so embarrassing. No, like just being like she that, right. So I know what's going on with her, uh-huh, or as it yeah. didn't. When you're four or five, you're like, what? I don't really know what's. I didn't know what other people's emotional states were, but I do remember being like, oh, Emma is. She is here it's in the clear room. What's happening with Emma? She is displeased about something. Yeah, I mean, you were very kind of how you presented <laughs> that, but what she's referring to is my stormy teenage years, where I literally shouted and slammed the doors at my parents because they were not behave. I thought they were idiots and they weren't behaving. Now I have a thirteen-year-old of my own. You know, the the cows would come home to roost. So we'll they see do how do that goes. I thought you were, I was just like, she's fucking cool. This is cool. I want to slam doors when I'm older. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's one way it's really useful because you don't bottle things up. But on the other hand, you can get a reputation as a drama queen, which is what happened, you know. But I think you're a bit different, though, 
we're very close now, but when you were younger, and I don't mean four or five, I mean when you were kind of like uh, between probably eight and 12, 13, I found mm-hmm. it harder to gauge what was going on with you. Yeah, I don't think I really knew what was going on with me. Mm. That period of my life, that's weird. That's funny you should say that, actually, because I was talking about this in therapy recently. Uh, I didn't talk for a year. Do you remember that? I, I remember you not you not talking very much at all. I mean, you talked in school, presumably, when you were asked a question? or Oh, yeah, I talked in school to my friends, but in my family life... I was just like, goodbye. Oh, wow. See you later. And like only recently, at nearly 30, have I been like, what the fuck? That's probably not good. It's massive. So I'm not surprised you find it difficult to figure out what was happening with me because I think I was in a sort of retreat. I think you closed down. And the thing is, is we had been so close when you were little that I didn't know know anything had changed, right? So I thought I was able to speak to you because we had been close and I had looked after you and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But when I tried to speak to you, I remember one very painful, I have a painful (gasps) memory of trying to speak to you and I was doing the wrong thing. You were entirely in the right I was trying to speak to you and you did not respond to me at all and talk about regrets and having regrets. I, 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 I don't know. I, I I was very young as well, obviously, but I thought that I could, I could I could say to you, look, it's okay. Everything's fine. Things are going to be okay. And you didn't say anything. And quite quickly, I, I realized that it was because you were like, it's actually not okay. It's not okay oh, with me. Shit. Do you know what this is about? I don't remember about? that. I'll tell you and then Marty can cut it out if you want him to. No, no, tell me after. Okay. In case it's devastating and I can't it's continue that. De- no, no, I'm joking. No. <laughs> it's not. I wouldn't bring it up if it was. Um, I, I remember a lot of instances like that with you and like with other kind of um, like caregiving figures where they, they'd be like, listen, you know, you can say anything to us and I would just be like, when will this moment end oh. so I can go away from this person and you know that was very I mean that was clear that you didn't want yeah, to be yeah. involved in the conversation I think when you're that I mean my memory of being that age and then into like the early teenage years is mm-hmm. just like you are mortified to be oh. in a room or just like existing oh, and taking up space like I, I look was, at you I know your kids opposite. I was like I am here in this room. The room must accommodate me. And so must everyone in the room. I'll thank you. I will take my bow now before I leave. Um, That's, yeah, they're two different ends of a spectrum. Yeah. Like, presumably the the middle is comfortable for everyone. Yeah. But that's so funny. Like, that's so funny. Were you going to say that my, you look at my children... Now, in terms of them existing in a room, because sometimes they have trouble existing in a room, I would say. Well, no, but they never disappear, which is really, I find that heartening to see. Mm. And with my sisters and stuff, like, you know, you can generally tell, like, what the vibe is, or yeah. they don't entirely retreat. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always kind of see that and be like, oh, thank God. Yeah. Because what I did was read, like, 16 books a week. In order to not, like, engage with the outside. Yeah. Which is probably why I'm so good at spelling, but, like, obviously it has its <clears throat> downsides as well. Yeah, the spelling thing's great, though. <laughs> I, I can mean, spell that, what a bonus. pretty much anything, to be honest. <laughs> but, yeah, that, the, I think... And um, the first at university, that's probably helped that, all I that reading. The first, 
Well, you got a first in your dissertation. I'm clinging on to that. Like, <laughs> I, I don't thank see you why. for bringing that yeah, up. By the way. Yeah. Thank you. It's all right, everyone. Anyway, sorry, <clears throat> that was a diversion. Sorry, yeah. Um, how does this all relate to therapy? I don't hear you ask. Hello. A lo- thank- Are you there? <laughs> ask us questions. Please write in questions. That would thrill me. Yeah. I think a lot of what we want to get across in making this podcast is that we believe that you don't have to be like, quote unquote, sick or have like an emotional regulation problem yeah. or a diagnosis to go to therapy and benefit from it. Yeah. Um, and... I think like a lot of our language around therapy still kind of falls back on that attitude of like, oh yeah, they have they have to go to therapy. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, did you? Oh, she's she goes to therapy. Yeah, yeah they're her. crazy. I'm like, oh my god, yeah. what's going on there? Or like, what's what's happened? They have happened? problems. They must yeah. have problems. Yeah. Um, it's not helpful, really. We're trying to say no. That's not the way that that needs to be said, and that's bullshit. And let's all, you know, behave ourselves. And just talk about it like like going to the gym or like going for, to the dentist or getting your eyes tested. Going to physio. Like, going to physio. Yeah, go to physio if you have a, a sore knee that won't get better by itself. Yeah. And you go to speak to a professional if you can't, um, you know, feel happy and content and, and yeah. manage your life in the way that you want to live, you know, do it. So. Yes, exactly. Like, so... I mean, I've come to a point in therapy where it feels like a lot different than it did at the start, mm. which was like three or four years ago-ish. Um, those first sessions were like a crisis point. It was like, you know, crisis intervention. Like, I'm going to I'm gonna be off work and go to the, do this for my full-time life. Mm-hmm. Um, where I was finding my emotions so unmanageable that my life was being ruled by them. Yes. Or as my therapist would say, I was not in the driving seat. Mm, um, no, that's interesting. Yeah. It was. I still find that useful. Um, and for anyone listening, I would say that is a great time to seek therapy and oh, recruit all you your definitely helpers. Should please do that. Go for it. Like you can do it. But my experience of it now, which I kind of want to bring like another um, angle to it, is that now that I'm kind of more functional mm. in my life and have like a handle on those emotions that used to kind of derail me. Um, it's an opportunity now. It's like a learning opportunity for me to learn about how my emotions affect my behavior, my like patterns in my emotions, how they affect my life, how they have done in the past, how I want them to in the future, all these kinds of things. So like a bigger picture yeah. has opened up. And there's a great sense of agency to be found in that sort of new approach. Um, but it, does, it takes a while to get there. Not everybody has access to it if they're feeling... Um, like their mental illness or their emotions are in the driving seat, mm-hmm. as they say. Um, but yeah, the the therapy experience can be like a learning experience outside of the managing mental illness or managing emotions stage. Absolutely. I think that's something that I think is important to get across. Yeah, 100%. And um, I went to therapy in this past year, not because I have a diagnosis of any kind, but because... it was 2020. <laughs> well, it was 2020, <laughs> and let's face it. Actually, when you were thinking about... When you were said to me about, let's do about emotions, and I was thinking about, um, you know, we've all been through so many emotions over the past year, but one that was really, really new to me. Well, not really, really new. It wasn't totally unique, but it was sort of out of the blue. Um, I don't actually know if I've mentioned this before in previous recordings that we've done, mm-hmm. about sitting 
playing a board game with the kids and Marty <gasps> during the the peak of the pandemic. Like we were locked down. It might have oh. been like April 2020 and managing a panic, panic attack. Oh, like no. the first panic attack that I'd had in probably 15 years or more. Just, um, you know, while playing the game of life. And, you know, it's just, it's so horrific. But I really, at that stage, I thought everybody was going to get sick. Yeah. And, you know, it was, I, we I might so have scared. mentioned this before in previous I think, episodes. Well, you've definitely told me about it. And yeah. I can't distinguish between what we've recorded I know, and our normal it's conversations. Hard to know because we talk a lot. <laughs> we um, talk every day. <laughs> but, um, so I was. The reason I went to therapy and sought out therapy was because I was unable to process some things that I was feeling and I wanted some help with that. Yeah. And when you're in therapy training, you have to have therapy and it's sort of called personal development therapy at that point. Right. But it's because it's a process that allows you to know yourself better and it's designed as well to sort of uncover any, you know, areas that niggly areas that you're not that you're kind of going oh that's fine you know that's no problem but they will come back up in the therapy room and they'll be detrimental to your clients essentially so you have to sort those things out Mm. um one of the things that I always think which I mean you don't have to be a perfect person to be a therapist of course not you don't have to have never suffered any problems or anything like that yeah but you can only bring your clients as far as you are you know, so that's why it's important to be a fully developed person for a start. Like, you know, mm. somebody who understands their own emotions, um, can regulate them and understands when they're not regulated, what's happening with them. Um, so that is a process that happens when you're in therapy training. So I did that about 10 years ago, but now, you know, I'm approaching 40 and I still feel that I'm developing all the time and learning how to be the best version of myself. Um, but I also went to therapy because I had, I was experiencing deep regret, Mm. deep regret about a situation that I had, um, been involved in, which I couldn't resolve by myself. Yeah. So that was literally the thinking process. I tried for a long time to resolve it. I thought this is not, I'm not able to work this last bit of this out. Sure. Um, and I had been thinking about going back to therapy for a while anyway, Um, because I believe in it you know hence this podcast I think people have gathered (laughs) so far that we are pro therapy are we pro if you take anything away from this no (laughs) so um but then you know what what listeners won't know is that I subsequently had significant grief to deal with as well so god grief and regret are that is the big stuff like those are uncomfortable things to talk about yeah but I was unafraid of it I I entered into it unafraid of knowing and experiencing those emotions um I'm I'm not I would be I would be the type of person who if I have done something wrong or I feel I have done something wrong I will tell you about it before you ask me about it yeah sure (laughs) for sure I'll tell you that I did a thing wrong um and you know, in some ways that's easier than, 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 you know, feeling shame and pushing it down, Mm -hmm. but it's just, it's my personality. That's what I do. So, um, and therapy helped me not only, um, process those emotions and gain understanding and not resolution, but that's, that's too strong a word, I think, but, um, it did bring me to a point of regulation 
Yeah. And I think actually we might be talking about that a bit later, so I'll not say any more about that. But anyway, um, uh, and also brought up understanding from my childhood that I didn't expect, which is why I'm going to go back for Ooh. another session now, starting in September, to sort of dip my toe in the water of looking at some of those childhood issues. Um, but I do br- just briefly want to talk about this, the issue of mental illness, because um, we have a little disclaimer at the start of the podcast and and what it says is um I can't remember it word for word but what it says is if you're feeling distress yeah um you contact uh, uh, you google Samaritans and your country that you're in so yeah. Samaritans UK Samaritans NI um Samaritans US um and a number a local number will come up for you that you can contact and you can speak to volunteers who operate in the country that you live in and it's free and you can also um google a crisis line near me and we will put links in our show notes mm-hmm. um if you are feeling that your emotions are unmanageable if you're feeling you know deep sadness or anything like that you you know that's we we really do want to encourage you to to seek out support and help and and your first foray into that might be a crisis intervention service. Yeah. But after that, you can think about, you know, continuing to find out how do I make sure this doesn't happen to me again, you know. Mm. Um, so in terms of mental illness, you know, therapy is the treatment for, you know, the dysfunction that we're referring to as mental illness. It's not just for people who are like, I would like to indulge myself and talk about myself for an hour every week. You can do that as well. You can do that as well. And there's no shame here. Do that if you want to do that. You know, you'll probably find out some some lovely stuff and you'll be paying a therapist good money. So, you know, there's no no downside there, really. But um, I don't love the term mental illness because of its connotation with sickness and uh, the biomedical model. Yeah, that's a good point. And But we don't have brilliant terms people don't like mental health problem because it's, the problem is problematic the word, word problem and, is in it yeah so in my thesis I tended to use the term mental health and mental ill health and um, because we all have mental health and it can be in different states and of a different quality for every individual yeah um and it's amazing how little we still know about mental health to be honest um but really most evidence indicates that mental ill health um is a response to trauma Right, yes. So when people hear that, they often think that the trauma has to be major and it has to be like, I was in a car accident and now I have flashbacks and anxiety. Yeah, or like I was in a war. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it it actually doesn't. Um, as usual, it's more complicated than that. And um, trauma, especially experienced when in childhood, is basically any experience that you're not emotionally equipped to deal with. So it could be your parents separating, being bullied, being shamed in some way. Sometimes it can be an isolated incident. Um, and sometimes these experiences can be formative. So, you know, I, I, everybody has a story of something like, you know, they wet themselves in school or something. Some yeah, yeah. situation where they were deeply embarrassed, deeply shamed in front of people. Or, you know, people have an experience where they were maybe bullied for a little while and some of those experiences can be formative if they're singular or not too severe or they're dealt with well yes um that's what I was gonna say I was gonna interrupt you there and say like I think I've read something recently that's like you know the traumatic event can just be an event it can just be if an it's event processed yeah. afterwards and the, the person experiencing it has 
people around them and has the equipment and it can also depend on temperament. It's uh, absolutely, I agree 100%. Um, it can be, if it's well processed, it's eased by a supportive person or depending on the temperament of the individual. So one thing for one person yeah. would not necessarily be traumatic. Yeah, yeah. It would be nothing. It would or, be irrelevant or, oh, to them or and, they would yeah. shrug it off. And for another person, you know, quite a minor thing could be very significant for their for them developmentally. The problem really occurs particularly in childhood when the experiences are persistent or repeated um, because then they become messages about who we are in the world so mm. that the world is not a safe place, that we can't trust it, um, that we are not safe or that we are not good. So, for example, in parenting, aggressive correction, yeah. which is a term so funny, working in parenting for 10 plus years and aggressive correction is something is a term that I only recently come across yeah I've never heard that um but it's Doesn't shouting essentially shouting <laughs> shouting yeah <laughs> shouting can be really damaging to children if yeah. it's repetitive or extremely harsh oh. um and it's it's essentially damaging to a child's self-esteem so mm. it's something that we really want to avoid um and um I suppose the the relevance of that is that if emotions are reactions to the environment, they, like anything else, can be thrown out of balance. Yeah. You know, by what happens to you. Um, and in terms of knowing whether or not you need to talk to a therapist about th- something, I think we need to work out if we can resolve the thing by ourselves or if we can think ourselves out of it. Um, I wanted to mention this in one of our favourite podcasts, um, Hannah, mm-hmm. This Young in Life. Oh, which we love. Um, it is the best. It's If you are even slightly curious, go and find one. And you can start anywhere. You can yeah. start at any episode. Yeah, I it's think so it's... Good. Um, I just want to mention that it's quite complementary to ours because it's very specific <laughs> to Jungian therapy, whereas this is much more of a general... That's They are the in-depth professionals and we are the yeah. having a bit of crack with talking right. about emotions. We listen to your podcast and we thought it would be fun if we also did a podcast. <laughs> well, that's what we just love podcasts, really, don't we? So, yeah, it's a bit of crack. Um, but this is quite an old episode and um, Deborah... Deborah Stewart. Deborah, Deborah Stewart had said in reference to a client, you know, maybe being apologetic about attending or something like that, you know, so just for reference, because that should probably be explained. Sometimes people think, I am not bad enough to go to therapy. I'll be taking somebody else's place in therapy. I'm not deserving of therapy. And so people can come into the therapy room and be quite apologetic for attending or taking up the time. Or my problem's probably not that bad. Or And she said, if you could have thought your way out of this, you wouldn't be here. Yeah. So when the problem, you know, doesn't go away by having a run, having good sleep, making sure you're eating well. Yeah. Um, having a conversation with your nearest and dearest. Writing it down. Writing all that it down. Sort of Which stuff. that's there we go. That's what we'll talk about next week. All the all the techniques. T- self help techniques that oh, you can yeah. do outside of therapy. All right, sweet. I'm I don't need to do any homework for next week. I've got those all down. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. Um so yes. That's that's really what I wanted to say. That so, yeah, you know, if you could have thought your way out you wouldn't be turning up you for wouldn't, you analysis wouldn't need to or go. therapy. Yeah. And that's, there's I mean, yeah, no it's shame pretty straightforward, that. actually. Yeah. Emma, you bringing up young, mm-hmm. you know I love to bring him up. Yes. Here is a quote that I thought would be useful for us to 
consider. Okay. He writes, In the intensity of the emotional disturbance itself lies the value, the energy which he should have at his disposal in order to remedy the state of reduced adaptation. Um, mm. What do you think about that? I well, love the term reduced adaptation. For some reason, yes. I just don't really know why. Well, I do love a lot of Jungian terms, but they're not... Um, they're not always super understandable. I think they yeah. make you, they mean you have to, I mean, you know. It was be like, what does that mean? What does he mean? Like nobody, nobody is talking about reduced adaptation at the moment. Like in current mental health no. discussions, you'd hear no. something like. Uh, not functioning Lack of well. function. Yeah, poor or, functioning. Yeah. But the reason for that is because, so I am a trained counsellor, but I don't know that much about Jung or Freud or psychoanalysis or Jungian analysis because I didn't study those things. Yeah. I know them. I know about them from an interest point of view. Um, and also because I studied, you know, a lot of psychology, but, uh, you know, this is really Jungian work is really in depth and, and psychoanalysis is really in depth. Yeah. And, you don't just get that from a three-year counselling course. Like those, oh, those, no. uh, those analysts are so. That's why I love that um, podcast. They're so highly trained. They're so knowledgeable, and the depth of the work that they're doing is brilliant. Not everybody needs Jungian analysis, but anyway, sorry to get back to this quote because um, so it's there's quite a lot in this, right? In the intensity of the emotional disturbance itself lies the value, the energy which he should have at his disposal in order to remedy the state of reduced adaptation. I think the okay. he there is the client, yes. presumably. Yes, which one should have. Which yeah. one should have. I do relate to this, and there's a lot here to unpack. Um, it brings back to mind the film Inside Out, actually, because I think part of what Jung was talking about here was not suppressing emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can't begin to work with or learn from or develop as a result of the emotional disturbance as he says here, if you're stuffing it down and repressing it. And just for anyone who hasn't seen the film, like you, Hannah. I haven't um, seen it. Yeah, I need to watch this. Yes. The main character in that film is Joy. Yeah. Um, And she's a manifestation of the child's emotional experience of Joy. Okay. She wants to suppress the other emotions because they're less pleasant. Right. Um, in particular, sadness. And in so doing, she's not allowing the child to develop her emotional complexity. Um, and spoiler alert, she has to learn to let those other emotions color the experiences that the child has. So then sped, instead of just being a memory of joy, it's a memory that might be joy, anger, sadness, you yes. know. So as the child develops, it's not just, you know, ah, I'm happy and oh, yeah. now I'm crying. Um, that is that I really need to watch that. Yes, you do. So the emotional disturbance, I think, you know, what I understand about that part is there's a there's a value in this emotional disturbance. It's telling you something. Yes. And you have to be able to listen to it. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think? I think it's loads. I agree so much with that. <laughs> it's, yeah, that's, I mean, when I think of my first kind of year in psychodynamic therapy, it was just about getting me to be like, well, actually, yes, I might be quite sad. Mm. And not being scared to feel those things because... Like the what to use young stuff, my the intensity of the emotional disturbance was evident, mm. but I didn't know how to use it. Yeah, because I I didn't allow myself access. Yes, to those negative emotions, and then they took over. 
actually yes and actually that is when they are most powerful so the mm. thing is is that if you are the probably the reason why I've, I've always been kind of you know um subclinical <laughs> to, <laughs> to have a call back to an earlier term <laughs> don't call yourself subclinical because I haven't um I wasn't I wasn't scared of my emotions so I mm-hmm. didn't I wasn't nothing has happened to me significant enough or terrible enough to make me feel the kind of shame about myself that would not allow me to experience the emotional disturbance yeah so I was happy to go into the emotional disturbance I could feel it and things like that and I think for people who are who haven't gone to therapy who are struggling with this who are wondering about lots of behaviors that they might have that are maladaptive um they might be the kind of people who are experiencing much more pain and pain is hard to look at yeah that's the thing pain is hard to look at and it's unpleasant yeah and so you know I don't want us to be in any way downplaying that therapy will be hard oh it will god be hard yeah, it's to go not to. like fucking tw- twilight or whatever <laughs> I don't know why I'm thinking about <laughs> twilight <laughs> What, the film series with the vampires? Yes, with the vampires. I don't right. know why I thought of that. <laughs> it's definitely not like that, guys. It's really not like that. <laughs> uh, what I think what I think I'm trying to say is there's not any romantic notion that you might have about like lying mm. on the couch or somebody just soothing you and taking your pain away. It's not that. They're basically like a sort of like a personal trainer for mm. your brain and they just make you walk through, like do like uh, what do you call those exercises where you crawl along the ground? Oh, Mountain yeah. climbers. Oh, they're awful. The muddy puddle yeah, of your burpee own time. It's, it's burpee time. Yeah. Burpees and planks. If you've got pain or shame or things that you need to uncover, you're going to be doing the the psychological equivalent of burpees and planks yeah. for a, quite a while in therapy. Get yourself and fucking look sad. Even like. though I don't, I you know, I've just said, oh, I was fine. I went to therapy and I was fine. <laughs> I had some things that I was struggling I know, to deal so with, good. but I went to therapy and I was fine. <laughs> I cried for 90% of those sessions. Oh, yeah. I cried oh. at least once in those sessions. You some, know? Of them, some of them are just crying, mm. to be honest. Like. I had at least one that was mostly crying and I was kind of like, I'm really sorry. Like I just can't. There's, I didn't have enough tissues. Oh, there was oh, God. This is bad. Yeah. But um, so it's, you know, it's I, I it's interesting that you said romantic because I was thinking about this recently. I've I come across one thing that annoys me is when people kind of romanticize therapists. Like you know, I'll shine the light into the darkness, that kind of thing, oh, because they're not you know you have it can't i just think oh that what that making like a savior figure like is... sort of a bit like a savior yeah no that's not and gonna help anybody. i think i don't think it's helpful and i think also you can't deify therapists they're just ordinary people who have a set of skills that they're going to use and that you know therapist a may not work for you yes. therapist b may not work for you therapist c you might have a great result with it's not the be all and end all. It yeah. is really good when it works and when you find it and, you know, and make it work sort of thing. Yeah. Um, that stuff you're saying about, like, emotional complexity, you know, um, you know Jonathan Van Ness? Oh, yes, JVN of Queer, Queer oh, Eye? Oh, yeah. Beautiful. He is. Angel. What do you always say about people, oh, you're gorgeous. You're, he just, you just is very, 
we're I'm we're lucky to exist at the same time as him. But that is true. That's so he beautiful. has a there's a like a quote from him I've seen that's something like if you numb vulnerability, you also numb joy, happiness, connection. He's basically Wise. saying like you can't have those things without the balance of like opening yourself up a little bit, taking a bit of a risk, maybe feeling a bit weird. But yeah, yeah that's not the exact quote, but like I'm paraphrasing that there that but there is something there that I've only really got to grips with recently. Mm. You know, aged nearly thirty, that you need that those more negative emotions are not to be battled with. Mm. You know, you can't you can't just opt out of experiencing them because you then you cut yourself off from a whole spectrum of feeling that you want to happily experience or like experience in a in a in a healthy way. Um yeah, like the 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 process of therapy has taught me um that it's not really about like erasing you can't erase certain emotions mm. or there will not be a point at which you're like, Great, I think I've dealt with my sadness. I'm happy now. I'm happy. Hundred percent of the time. Off I go. It will stay like this forever. Because there's no Yeah. That you need to integrate things into your like emotional life. Yeah. Be comfortable with having them and know that they don't last forever. Mm-hmm. Happy or sad, sad states or any states mm-hmm. like that, and some like some people can do that, and some people don't want to experience that kind of those difficult parts and oh. manage their lives accordingly. But uh huh, yes, often by numbing them with substances, sometimes substances maybe substances or, or, or shopping or yeah. behavior or work, as you say, yeah, um, act constant activity. I mean, mm. actually, that is what sort of what I was doing. Um, or certainly it was what my therapist was gently trying to indicate <laughs> I might be doing. Um, so Do I was like, maybe I love that, <laughs> that time. Yeah, I was, you know, doing a PhD and I was coming to the end of the PhD and oh. I was like, oh yeah, so what? I've, it's fine. Don't worry about anything. <laughs> I've, I've, I'm starting a podcast. I'm writing a book. Oh yeah. I, I'm, I have two rooms I'm going to decorate and I made a big list of things that I was going to do. And sometimes you can do yeah. that to avoid just having to sit and yeah. think what's going on. Or have a rest, because often, you know, people always say like, oh, you know, when you when you get a bit of time off work, then you always get sick. Mm. I'm always like, yeah, no shit, because you don't have, you don't give yourself time to feel a bit crap when you're mm-hmm. really busy. And then when you allow yourself to have a break, then all this unpleasant stuff comes up and you're mm. like, this is not the fun holiday destination I was expecting. no. High it's inconvenient. That, it's that thing of, got to keep busy, got to keep busy, just <sighs> keep busy or else you'll have to think about things. But what you were saying there about about recognising the negative emotions have a place and are necessary, that's that's wisdom and maturity, really, you know, that's so I've been just... been waiting for you to say that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, and... Um, it's, I mean, you know, not to like advertise this film too much, but that's part of what this message is in in Inside Out. And I'll also, that's the message in Frozen as well, you know, you know, she has to keep, she has to keep herself under control, which means she can't experience love or joy Mm. or freedom or herself. Because she, she hasn't learned anything. how to regulate the mm-hmm. power of her magic. Yeah, reduced adaptation. Or oh, yeah, that explains so much. Because the first time I ever watched that film and she sang "Let It Go," I was uh-huh. I cried inconsolably. Yeah. to the point where it was embarrassing. Yeah, because the kids I was with were like, 
um, yeah. are you okay? <laughs> or like, what's going on? You're supposed to be looking after us. It was, it's such a good film though. So oh, I was, man. I took the kids to the cinema to watch it. Might've just been the big one because of the year that it was out. And I was so into it that when the ice shard goes into Anna's heart, I said, shit, in a <laughs> cinema full of children. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> so into it. God, fucking chill out, the pair of us. I know, but no. I was I at mean, home, thankfully, for my inconsolable. I, did, I couldn't recover. I had to watch the film again mm. to see the whole film. Oh. Because I was destroyed by the song. Oh, God. That was quite well, early okay. in my therapy journey. Yeah. I can now listen to that song and I only cry a small bit. Okay, well, that's pretty good. Progress. Yeah. Um, and... I, I don't know. I mean, the thing about young and young quotes is I always feel like, do I understand this? This oh, seems God, complicated. Yeah. I mean, do you know what I mean? Like, it's so... I'm bringing a young quote in like I know all about it and have read any of his books. I just love talking about him. Most of what I know about him is from stuff my therapist has told me. Yeah. And in a, like, useful way. And from this young in life. And from this young in life. And that's really it. Yeah. And I, I don't have any... Can't claim to have any great understanding. But sometimes you do come across a thing and you're like, fuck. That's exactly what I'm supposed to be writing about. Or well, whatever. yes. On this subject, though, as well, relevant to our discussion, Jung said of emotions that they were the instinctive voluntary reactions which upset the rational conscious order, but that they were essential in bringing the unconscious into consciousness. Instinctive voluntary involuntary so basically like if you just um, instead of they're just say reactions yeah do you know what i mean like take those two words out and they are reactions that you know mean that your your day-to-day oh here i am i'm gonna go to the shop is upset Mm -hmm. um but that is a message from your unconscious essentially telling you something is wrong that's raising the alarm um and just to put that into more like everyday terms, if you find yourself constantly getting really irritated or shouting or mm-hmm. getting angry all the time, um, now if you have young children, I feel you, fam. You know that's <laughs> like you're gonna yeah, get irritated. I think all bets are off. But there. Um, if you if you feel like this is a problem for me, actually, or I'm getting angry beyond what is reasonable yeah. to get angry, um you know, you're wanting to look for what is the source of this anger. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, why is it coming up all the time? And Jung's argument would be that it's a message from the unconscious. Mm. It's telling you something. It's raising the alarm, saying yeah. something's going on here that you need to you address. Need to pay attention to this. Um, trying to think of another... Well, another example is, um, you know, you cry every time you hear "Let It Go," or you. That <clears> feels <throat> personal <throat> now. That feels really personal. Oh, oh, sorry, I'm, I'm sorry joking. about that. Okay, no, I'll pick another one. So, well, you, crying's you... very classic. I think, like, my sort of depressive indicators are quite classic. Like, mm. I find it difficult to not cry. I find it difficult to leave the house. Mm. and I don't talk to anyone. Mm. So it's kind of like, you know, if you find a drawing of a depressed person, it would look a lot like me and my shit leggings, just moping around. But then there are other people who will do stuff you wouldn't expect, like over-exercise or do mad shit, like buy loads of shit, or these are bad examples, but just different 
coping or different express like negative expressions yes and also um some people have a tendency towards um overactivity of the nervous system and some people have a tendency towards underactivity of the nervous system yeah dorsal so vagal sympathetic we're going to talk about this another time we promise we That's don't a great, have time now because we've that. talked endlessly about this thing yeah sorry um it does feel like we've probably talked enough and we should um Let's go to this problem yes what are we calling them problems? What are people writing? <laughs> I I can't remember. It's well so it's uh, this it, this starts dear agony auntie Nisi. That's weird. I think it should be I said something last week and I no I can't remember. Why don't we let people choose their intro to our I agony auntie corner if someone else would choose it cuz I don't have any good ideas. If you could me. help us name this agony auntie corner I am really taken with this Auntie Nisi thing. No, you that, don't like that, it? You don't like the Nisi Nisi part? part is weird. I don't know why. Okay, right. So I'm going to read this really to you. Sorry, I was really negative with that. No. No. I don't like it. Um, Sorry. Yeah, okay. So that's fine. That's no problem. We'll see what, what we come up with for this corner. But it's just like problem corner. Problem corner. Have you got problem a problem? Corner. We've all got problems. Um, do you have problems? I've got we problems. Do. Tell me the problem. Yeah. I'm excited because this is the first problem that I don't, you don't know, know about it. yet. Yeah. I know. So that's why I wanted to provide the problem this time. Ooh. Okay. So my stepmother is a very difficult person. I am finding it harder and harder to be around her. My dad remarried three years ago and they have been together for five Myself and my siblings all have our own families, but we come back together for holidays and occasions and I enjoy seeing my father. I don't want this problem to spoil my relationship it my fa- with my father, but I don't know how much longer I can turn a blind eye. She is totally unreasonable. Mm. Makes most conversations about her. Makes unreasonable demands for primacy in all things from my father. Ooh. For example, when we he wanted to give the best slices of a cake to his granddaughters, she was apparently very hurt and made a big deal about it. It is so juvenile. We think she has also lied about us, brackets the children, to our dad. Little things, but things that make us look bad and sometimes to deflect attention from her. I have now started to dread going to see them and my feelings about her have triggered some old problems and I am becoming increasingly depressed. I am not sure if I should speak to my father and tell him how I am feeling, keep putting up with this or what to do. Oh no, that sounds hard. It's very difficult. And that's an adult person? Yes. Presumably someone with children. So they haven't said who the, what age they are, and actually it doesn't say what sex of a person this is either, um, but it's the, an adult person. Hardly and matters, And it doesn't say what number of siblings, but myself and my siblings all have our own families, so these are grown-up parents yeah. with who oh are boy. trying to remain... That's so... Sad. have a relationship with their father and stepmother it also doesn't say if their mother is alive still around anything okay. so we don't know any of those things but we do know that this relationship is very difficult for this person so there are in my first hearing of that there's two things mm-hmm. major things happening one is that this question is about a difficult person yes and 
The second is that the writer mm-hmm. is saying at the end, I'm becoming depressed. I know. And I don't know what to do about this. And it is bringing up old stuff. I mm. think that is the biggest thing that needs to be paid attention to above the difficult stepmother. Oh, yes. Very good, Hannah. That's. I think that's, you really got to the heart of it there because we could him and her about, you know, the... the rights and wrongs of the relationship and what this person yeah. is how they're behaving and their behavior and stuff like that but the the end point that they sort of add on at the end is that I am becoming increasingly depressed and I'm not sure if I should speak to my father and tell him how I'm feeling keep putting up with it or what to do so they're oh. feeling increasingly depressed and don't know what to do you know so that that you're right that is the that is the first that's the most important thing that needs to be addressed yeah it's good that they have been able to identify that this, like, this kind of difficult family dynamic is causing that for them. Instead of just being like, I hate this person. And also, unrelated, I'm really sad all the time. Yeah. <laughs> That's good that they're able to kind of do that bit of self-reflection. And, you know, they sound like they could do with some therapy. I was actually going to say this. They sound I like think they're ready. We, I think we should recommend that they... They seek out some therapy if they're not already in therapy. Yeah. If if they are, then definitely start talking about this problem in therapy. I think you already would be though if you were in yeah. therapy. But um, seek out some therapy because not only can it help you um, work out what to do, what you want to do, um, it is actually something to do. Mm-hmm. That is that is, that a, is it's the, it's a thing yeah. to do in the meantime or in, uh, instead of or as well as addressing some of the people in the situation Mm. and part of the reason for that is is that can we tell you if talking to your father would um damage your relationship with your father or not no we can't we don't really know we don't know we don't know him we don't know anything about that Mm. or how he would react to that information um and the same for the stepmother and the stepmother um you know completely totally unreasonable sorry is the word that's used okay often when you find that somebody is behaving in a totally unreasonable way they don't just generally listen to reason quickly yeah they don't go oh i i'm so sorry i didn't realize i was being unreasonable i yeah. will change that that's i'm an adult woman who got upset because somebody else got yeah. favored with slices of cake so children got the cake that i wanted presumably children that yeah. doesn't sound i mean it would probably be detrimental to our our writer for them to go and set chat like challenge or yeah I try mean, to lay down rules or whatever that that actually sounds like a really um narcissistic behavior to mm. something like that where you you think an adult person is behaving in a juvenile way when they feel that they've been done out of something yes that's a really narcissistic thing to do because yeah. you know often people think that narcissists it's all about thinking that they're brilliant but actually narcissists are really insecure yeah and so when they see somebody that they care about favoring somebody else even if it's a child yeah they don't have the ego integrity to to go that's great that's totally normal the child should have the good piece of cake Mm -hmm. um they think that they are being um that they're not being given the affection and the and the primacy is this person uses the word primacy which is a brilliant word mm. um and they can't handle that because yeah. they're really deeply deeply insecure so that's a really narcissistic behavior. and in that given that the fact that someone in this scenario is showing that kind of tendency all 
that anyone around them can do is manage like their contact with them and boundaries with that person and kind of um like for, I'm just kind of thinking from the writer's perspective mm. they if they can find some way to just kind of have an emotional um loving detachment from mm. that person um because it sounds like the stepmother's behavior is so negative and unpleasant and it's really stressing them out there thinking about it whenever they're not around her. Mm -hmm. Maybe just kind of go, I'm going to just deal with my own responses to this separately Mm. from her instead of trying to change her behavior. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does totally make sense. I mean, I think the thing is, is that very often in life you will find that other people will behave in a way that you might think you would like to change by um, you know, maybe giving them a really, really good lecture in the car. This is me <laughs> thinking about my parenting, but doing a really good, I mean, a really good lecture. No, like, like, you know, writing things down beforehand. Oh, know, I mean, preparing them. it, getting the yeah. right time and all that. You might think that you'll be able to do a really good lecture and they will change, but often they won't. You know, yeah. often That's they my... need therapy, you know, in order to change their behavior, they would need some really radical therapy to get them out of those patterns of behavior where they feel that they're so worthless essentially that they are insecure enough to have those kind of problems or lie about children you know so lying to her husband about about the adult children I mean they said this person has said we think but often if you think then probably has been some kind of thing yeah that's quite dark yeah Again, nothing that the writer can really do about no. that. No. You can maybe find out information, but it sounds like they're at the stage that any further information is just going to confirm their kind of issues with this person. Yeah. Um, and what they might find is that their father, rather than... um, That their father is just turning a blind eye to this because very often people will just turn a blind like just dismiss stuff like that behavior yeah. like that that's just that's just that's just the way they are yeah, yeah i think we're definitely becoming more woke to not tolerating behave this kind of behavior yeah, in yeah. people like that and but when it's a like when it's an intimate relationship like they're married mm-hmm. so it's it's harder to see from the outside for the how father, he deals I mean, with it or like it's maybe harder for him to see her unreasonable behavior oh totally yeah but I mean that's partly what I mean by it like if you said to him you know that was really childish the way she mm. got on about the cake I would reckon his reaction would be oh that's just what she's like yeah yeah you know like I'd, and not realizing their child is really upset about this and or their becoming... child is saying it as a really a, a, an indication of the the problems with this person's personality, I think, mm. is the thing. So yeah. they're saying, the, there's, I have I have problem interaction with this person because her personality is really unpleasant to me. Mm-hmm. And here are some instances of how it was unpleasant to me. Yeah. Um. And he clearly, I mean, if he's married to her and has been with her for five years, he's accepted her personality. He's overlooking the negative parts of it. Yeah. Or, you know, I don't know if we've, given any advice we answered yet? the advice my advice would just be uh you sound like you're pretty smart mm. and you should use that smart to go and go to therapy yeah i, I think... can't answer every i feel like all of my 
advice is going to be just go to therapy no but you see we haven't but done that yet so it's okay <laughs> they sound like they are really primed for it i i do think it's it's this it whenever you have a problem with somebody and you know addressing it with them is not necessarily going to have any outcome because that's what we're saying it may not have any outcome having a conversation with yeah. your dad or anybody else um often the place to resolve that is internally and we're not suggesting that you have to do that alone mm-hmm. you know check the name of the podcast guys that's what <laughs> we're we're essentially one large therapy advert please <laughs> could you everyone please yeah that person sounds great though and i feel sorry for them that they're I know. having to deal with that they do they sound hard. really sensitive and um good luck writer we yes. hope that things improve and thank you for writing in um this is our third congratulations on the third episode recording Hannah. thank you congratulations to you as well yeah um Thanks. Um, Thanks for making me come around. I've been off work for two weeks and I've been having a hot girl summer. Mm. And this recording has taken a backseat and now I'm, I'm back. Yeah. and Back in business. We are both wearing our slouchy clothes because we're both a little bit tired today. So if there was oh, a different kind of vibe to the podcast, that's probably what it was. Like I had one of those nights where I really just couldn't sleep last night. So I got about four hours sleep. But I'm actually functioning okay today yeah, i would say so you've got the lash extensions you're uh, looking good oh thanks very much um, do you know what i did earlier i've so i never go on youtube right uh-huh. i don't know why but i like hooked youtube up to the big tv and i Ooh. went onto my old youtube account and found this playlist that i have called emosh <laughs> and it's basically a playlist of like 15 or 16 videos that i had completely forgotten about that I have specifically chosen sometime in my past to put together and it's they're designed to make me cry. Ah, okay. So the first one is from Billy Elliot mm-hmm. where he's challenged to dance and everybody's shouting at him and he's all stressed and he does like an improvised dance, like an angry dance. <gasps> and it's so amazing. The so performance powerful. is so amazing. Then the next video immediately after that is Billy Elliot and his dad is watching him dance on the stage and it's Swan Lake and the music's amazing. And then the third one is like... Is it Billy Elliot again? Huh? No, that, those are the two. <laughs> <laughs> I love the film. The, those are the two Billy Elliot ones. The main, like, you don't need to watch the rest of the film if you, you get the story from those two yeah, okay. emotional gut punches. The third one is the cast like the cast of the live action Lion King are, uh-huh. are on a plane together and they must have finished their run of shows and they start just like spontaneously a cappella singing the circle of life oh it fucking destroys me oh, so I was wow. watching these and being like oh my god yeah and it was fucking lovely just that by myself nice. so I think that's why I'm tired but it was a good yeah like emotional catharsis yes. or something well what I do generally when I'm tired <laughs> I mean yeah what I do when I'm tired is I'll find a little video that will make me cry and it will maybe either be a dog that has to have wheels for its back legs oh or, you know, like a really, really ugly dog that's rescued by somebody <laughs> and like nursed back to life and it only has one working leg or something, you know, that kind of thing. But today what it was, was apparently there's this tradition in Brazil huh. where you give the first slice of your birthday cake to the person you love and care about most in the room. Oh, right? that's so nice. And I'm going to start doing this, actually. I think this is a beautiful tradition. Yeah, so it was a vi- video and it was in Brazilian, but you, in Brazilian, in Portuguese, but you can 
understand what's happening obviously from yeah, the yeah. actions and stuff like that so the little boy and his his younger brother is standing beside him and so he cuts it and he's making a big thing and the fork gets put on the plate with the piece of cake and he says to Antonio like that and the little boy just bursts into tears oh, God. he's just overwhelmed oh, yeah. that he's been chosen and so what did I do with this video what did I do do you think who did I show it to uh sam yes so i i sent actually couldn't send it to him because it was on instagram and he doesn't have instagram so i copied the link and when we were in the car later after physio i said i I have a video i want to show you actually and so i made him watch the video (laughs) and he knew exactly why i was making him watch the video and he was just looked at me like i fully understand what that you're like maybe you could and do I that was to going, your little brother. The and little he would brother, cry. yeah, the little brother Aww. was so pleased that his big brother loved him and was being nice to him. And all oh, that's Sam so like, sweet. I need to see that. Yeah, no, I have I'll it saved it here. I've got, I've got the link permanently copied to my clipboard on my phone. But yeah, no. Um, if anyone's feeling know. a bit down, I'll, I'll shoot you the link to my YouTube playlist <laughs> called Emotion. <laughs> you can watch. Sad Just get videos. those feelings out, you know. They're not that's... necessarily sad. They're like videos that make you feel uh, like awe for or, humans yeah. or something uh-huh. like that. Also, videos of Lizzo singing oh, she or performing makes, makes me, me cry. feel amazing. Because she's so brilliant. I love her so much. Um, so this has been Thanks Films and Short Videos podcast. <laughs> no. um, thank you for joining us. We are, what I was going to say about this being the third episode is, um, we are going to, what we really want now is problems yes, to be written to us. Yes, please send us your problems. So yeah. you can do that via email, which is... I have no fucking idea oh what it God. is. It's thankstherapy at gmail.com. So yeah, you can email us, you can tweet us, um, you can if you I mean obviously you probably want to send a private message but an email would be better yeah Um, and uh, please do get in touch with us and let us know what you think of the podcast and you know please be kind about that you can We're say what you can be out. honest though as well <laughs> this, she's always she's so strong yeah brave that's not true I'll read them and just stew on them forever well, I'm just a bit worried about my ability to handle negative criticism, really. Yeah, well, fuck off, negative <laughs> people. <laughs> no, please be nice. Give us good reviews. Uh, five stars only. And if you rate, review and subscribe on all the like, yeah, podcast well, platforms, mainly we that's need really to helpful. Do rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts because that's where we mainly get our rating is pushed up. Apparently. You have a job to do as well. It's not just like we yeah. just talk at you for hours and hours and hours. Well, we'll do that bit. So if we could make a deal, we'll do the talking at you about therapy. Mm-hmm. If you do the helping us promote the podcast, and it's really share it. easy. You can just do it on your phone, like tap, yeah. tap, tap. It's done. Yeah. Anyway. But also tell your mate, like say, oh, you should listen to this podcast because that's how I find some of my favorite podcasts for yeah, sure. That's so true. Um. So yeah, I think that's us for the day. Thanks, Hannah. Thanks, Emma. Thanks, Thanks therapy. therapy. Put this pencil away from me so I don't fiddle about. Okay. You know, do you ever listen to one of those podcasts where it says, um, if you hear a t- small tapping noise during the recording of this interview, it's because Jimmy, Bob, 
was tapping on a small can that was nearby. <laughs> no, I've never heard while that. While we were recording the interview. I would love that. Yeah, it's cute. I like it. 